we know going back mm, about 10 years now, Jack Nicholas and others have said, look, this juiced golf ball is is laying waste to some of our classic courses. The, def- the, the driving uh, capability of even the average golfer is leading to some of them to have to be redesigned. So the USGA is proposing... Hold on to your seats, you aging duffers. They're going to de-juice the golf ball. And by the way, I uh, I include myself in that <laughs> group. Uh, it's just one of the many breaking stories in the world of golf as uh, this this so-called merger between Liv and the PGA also seems to be breaking down. Bob Herrig is golf writer for Sports Illustrated and author of Tiger and Phil, Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry. Bob, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you guys? We're great. Uh, so the, the, I, I wanted to run out and just start buying uh, golf balls by the case. <laughs> I wanted to start my own black won't market. those legal guy in your tournaments. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I th- we're, we're, there is going to be a period of grace. And in the meantime, maybe those old balls are going to have enhanced value. We'll see. But, Bob, tell me what they're talking about here and how much for the average golfer it will really affect their, uh, their, their length off the tee. Yeah, they're talking about uh, instituting a testing protocol um, that would see high high uh, swing speeds. Um, the, the the golf ball would would actually not not travel as far. Actually, this is probably not that big of a deal for us mortal golfers. Um, we don't swing fast enough to take advantage of the technology that pros do. What's amazing about the, the golf balls and the equipment that are out there, the, the, the best of the best have found a way to maximize that. While it helps us some, we don't typically hit it hard enough or swing fast enough or hit it on the face often enough to take advantage. And so um, while it's going to be an adjustment for elite players because they're going to they're gonna find that their best drives don't travel as far, I think for the rest of us, we'll, we'll see minimal impact, um, maybe none at all. I mean, if you if you buy refurbished golf balls, or if you play a ball that you found in the woods, or you one that you plucked out of a lake, um, <laughs> you're basically playing a ball that you have no idea like its its capabilities, how you know how how good it is. So, you know, I think it's a little bit been overplayed for for the vast majority of the, the golfing world, the recreational player. Um, and it, I mean, the, the numbers they've put out are, you know, maybe five yards. Yeah. And yet, you know, most of us, like when we talk about how far we hit it, we talk about how far we hit it when we hit it our best. Right. And yet right. we, we don't really always hit it our best. I mean, most of the time, you know, it, you might hit it your best, you know, a handful of times during a round, frankly, you're trying to manage your, your misses really. So, but now at the elite level, you know, there's been some concern. I mean, to have to make a change, these guys work really hard. Mm-hmm. Women too, women, you know, this will affect, you know, the very, very elite uh, uh, pro women players as well. You know, they work very, very hard to dial in their yardages, their, their swing speeds, the optimization, where, how, how far the ball traveled, you know, how, what equipment is best suited. And so at some point they're going to have to go through a transition and I'm not sure you accomplish this in a day, a week or a month, you know, it might, it might take them a couple of months to figure it out. But yet while, while they're doing that, they're playing with the ball that's 
that's legal now. You know, right. so again, now this isn't supposed to go into effect until 2028 for pros, until 2030 for the rest of us. There is a long time to adapt. And, and look, there probably will become a, a bootleg market for the old stuff. But yet, you know, <laughs> like if you and I go out and buy those Pro V1s now and they, we put them in our garage for four or five years, there's questions as to how good those golf balls will be then. You know, they lose right. some of their oh, luster. They don't age well. Around. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and Rory, Rory McIlroy tweeted out, he doesn't believe the average golfer giving up five to ten yards off the tee is going to have a material effect on score, handicap, or enjoyment. So that's where he's at. I want to talk about a different rivalry between Liv and the PGA and John Rahm taking a huge payday when he said he would never go to Liv. He thought it was a joke. And Tony Finau now possibly being another big name going. I thought they were merging. Yeah, well, they frankly, the, the word merger was misused, I think, early on. They had an agreement to have an agreement. And the, they've spent basically the last six months trying to come together on what that agreement would, would be. Uh, and it would be more of an alliance. It would, it would, it would bring peace back to the game. There, there would be some way... Uh, for live players to play PGA Tour events and vice versa. And that's probably what they're having to work out. But while that's going on, you know, Liv has made the decision, you know, we're, we're forging ahead. It's business as usual for them. They're going to play a 14-event 2024 schedule that will be separate from the PGA Tour. And if this thing doesn't get resolved, it'll go into 2025. And what we just saw there with John Rahm, and what you also, you know, mentioned, you know, the possibility of Tony Finau, they're apparently talking to others. Hey, that's, that's the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia, you know, the, the lives backers. <laughs> um, that, is, that is their sort of, uh, you know, negotiating ploy, I think. Yeah. It's, it's giving them leverage. It, it really makes it imperative for the PGA Tour now to come to the table and, and try to get something done because – do you want to risk keeping to lose some of your best players? Um, I mean, what if what if they were to make a number offer to Victor Hovland, who just won the FedEx Cup? Uh, what if they went after Wyndham Clark, who won the U.S. Open? And all of a sudden, you've got this really divided game. Right. So it's going to be interesting here. I mean, they, they set a December 31st deadline to reach an agreement. Um, I'd be surprised if that is met. I wouldn't be surprised if they said, we're going to continue talks, or maybe we're going to we're going to agree to this amount, but we've got to work out the details in the first six months of uh, 2024. Right. But but I do think for the betterment of the game, they need to come come to some you know some some agreement, some sort of uh, truce, or it's going to get ugly. No question about it. And this uh, this gentleman's agreement not to poach uh, apparently is Off no longer an agreement. Bob Herrick, right. thanks for your time this morning. We appreciate your insights. We'll read about it in SI.